Yeah, can we give it up for these guys again? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Well, welcome to Real Life. Uh, 10 o'clock. You doing okay today? Yes, it's good to see you. Uh, my name is Richie, our lead pastor, and uh, I'm thankful that we get to be together today, and I'm excited for uh, everything that God's been doing here. I was, uh, Grayson was talking about reading through the Bible with his men's group. My men's group doesn't read through the Bible, but uh, it, was, it was a really powerful week uh, this week as we were together. Just no, no shortage of difficulties in any of the lives that um, we were all just kind of sharing together. But man, I was so inspired being with a group of men that are passionate about Jesus. As, as um, everybody's kind of catching up, we hadn't seen each other in, in a little bit of time, but um, the difficulties that were shared really just brought all of our hearts to a soft place of like, God, we need you. We are passionate about Jesus being real in our lives, not just going through motions and kind of playing games or doing church. God, we need you in a powerful and life-changing way. And I was so inspired as, as a part of your church, a part of this with you. Um, it was just awesome to be a, a connected with a group of men that are saying, hey, no matter what life is thrown at us, we are passionately pursuing Jesus together. And man, I, I was so inspired that way. Uh, I am thankful that we get to be together today, and we're going to begin a new conversation. We're calling it more than this. It's really a, a conversation that's designed to help you answer some longings, some questions inside you. I think all of us have them, things that stir our hearts to go, man, is this it? Is this what my life is? Is it fulfilling? Is it satisfying? Is my life impactful? Am I being significant? Like, am I leaving a legacy? Is this life really what it should be, could be, needs to be? I believe that God puts that longing inside you on purpose. He stirs a hunger and he stirs an affection inside you for not just temporary things that are in this life that were never designed to satisfy, but he puts a longing for eternity inside of us that we would somehow as kind of strangers and aliens in this very temporary land begin to live for the eternal land that we're actually built for, that we would live for something so much more than this life. And man, I, I love this conversation because I believe God wants to speak to every single one of us, answer some of those longings inside your heart, give you clarity, give you courage, give you confidence that you would walk out of here today inspired. And so here's my ask to you is that you would be hungry that you would have a, a genuine desire inside you to hear from God, to meet with God, to be God speaking to you or revealing himself to you. Man, nobody can do that for you. I can preach with as much passion as I got, but if you're not willing to do your part, man, you could actually waste this time. And so my encouragement is don't miss this. Don't waste this moment. Allow God to speak. So open your Bible with, you, uh, with me today to Luke chapter five. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there on your Bible app on your phone. Uh, Luke chapter 5, it's one of the gospel New Testament accounts of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching. And uh, that's where we're going to kick off from today. I want to pray as you're turning there in your scripture. Uh, and let's just ask God to be with us in this time. Lord, soften our hearts, create a hunger inside of us, uh, give us a passion and a conviction to seek you with all our hearts. You promised, God, that <clears throat> if we seek you, we will find you uh, when we seek you with all our hearts. And so here comes all of our heart, God all of our passion, all of our desire, all of our energy, God. We want to know purpose. We want to know significance. We want to have vision for these lives that you've called us to, Lord. Uh, I pray, Jesus, that you'd meet us powerfully in this time. Holy Spirit, just bring 
your, your word alive to each of us right where we are, God. There's people hurting here today that need your comfort and peace. There's people that are distraught that need just your, your spirits, just, just calming touch, God. There's people that are hurting in, in, in so many ways, Lord, that just need healing, strength, hope, God. There's many that are encouraged in this room today, God. Would you just continue to lift our hearts and our, and our eyes towards you, Jesus? You made us for so much more than this, Lord. We look to you now. We love you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen today? Amen. I love it. Um, somebody handed me a really big coffee right before this service, so I'm, <laughs> I'm calming myself down right now. It's so good. Uh, have you ever been lost? Anybody been lost in the room? Um, mostly men. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, there was a Mother's Day, remember this, babe, a few, a few years ago, um, where my wife had this awesome desire to, let's go on a family hike on Mother's Day. It was a sunny afternoon. Uh, we were, like, stoked. Let's do it. It's going to be fun to go on a hike. We are hikers, not really, but we like being outside. And um, uh, I've been in the woods quite a bit, but I did kind of grow up a city boy. So the woods don't intimidate me, but I don't know my way around the woods too much. And um, we loaded up, everybody, stopped by Taco Time because we wanted to torture ourselves and uh, made our way out to the woods. And we got to this very well-known hike to a waterfall. I kind of blame it on the hike people because like you get to the trailhead and there's a sign that says this is the trailhead, but there's no map. Like where I grew up, you know, over on the peninsula, like there's like maps, you know, this is the trail or this trail. We end up just like, that's the trail, let's go. And we get out into the middle of a meadow, beautiful field, all kinds of wildflowers. And, and really just field as far as you can see. And the problem with this field is that there was trails all over this field that kind of crisscrossed and zigzagged, and they went all over the place. And I just kind of boldly said, you know, I think this is the one that goes to the waterfall. <laughs> I had no idea, but it looked like maybe a trail that would go to a waterfall. And so uh, we began to adventure on that trail. And um, after a couple hours, um, the, the chirping of, you know, all of the females in our party um, was starting to really get to me. And I'm, you know, like if, if you're saying it can't be done, all that does is just like intensify my commitment to make it happen. And so I, I just continued to lead us on this epic um, adventure to the middle of nowhere. Finally, uh, in a place of defeat, I admitted I need to pull out my phone and look at where we left the car. I zoomed in and I'm like, that's, that's the parking lot. And we were miles from the parking lot. I had no idea where we were. And so we just began to follow trails that kind of headed towards the parking lot. Um, it, there was even a whole like probably 40 minute chunk on a highway. I have no idea how we ended up on a major road, but we were hiking along a highway and, uh, and <laughs> it wasn't really picturesque, but um, we were like a quarter mile from the car and there was the waterfall. And there was literally like hundreds of people at the waterfall. I was so frustrated. We didn't even stop. We just like, we just kept going. I mean, this is like a four hour ordeal uh, lost in the woods. Uh, we could, you could probably ask my wife. It was not like the most epic Mother's Day moment ever. It was not the most uh, special of Mother's Days. But I think about how easy it is for us to feel lost. Life um, <clears throat> happens all the time where Maybe we don't feel like we have the most significant direction or purpose or, or real clear next steps for our life. And so we're just kind of making it up as we go. And many of us, I think, are doing our best in, many of, in much of this. But the, the struggle, the angst inside of us is like, is this really meaning something? Are we really 
purposeful? Is my family turning out the way it's supposed to? Is my marriage and my, my kids, are we, are, is my work environment, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? I think without vision and direction, we struggle with this angst inside of our lives. Scripture um, talks about vision. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Uh, I got a couple of different translations. Let me read you this one. When people do not accept divine guidance, like God's leadership in their life, God's vision for their lives, they run wild. It's like, it's like rebellious, do whatever I want to do. If it's not God, it's just going to be my way and, and the, the way that I think is best for this life. But listen, but whoever obeys the law, when you hear the word law, hear the ways of God, the things of God, the purpose and intent of God. Whoever obeys the law is joyful. I think that that's such a powerful kind of statement and a contrast there because the life that we want is a joyful life, a life of significance and impact and meaning and, and, and real direction. And many times we've been trapped. We've been, we've been duped by culture that says, make up the vision for your life. Decide whatever you want. Live your life, your truth, your desires. And, and we live in, in one that just is constantly preaching this to us. And, and, and the way of the kingdom, God's way, is so much different. Jesus has actually already declared vision for our lives and over our lives. Purpose, intent, significance, impact that he's actually designed us for and built us for. And, and Proverbs 29 is like, if you don't accept that guidance, you're going to find a life completely distraught, running wild. Same verse in a different translation. Where there is no prophetic vision, this is God's leading again, God-directed vision for your life, people cast off restraint. We lack discipline, we lack focus, we lack energy and drive, we lack the, the ability to really get after the things that God would call us to. But blessed, this is the contrast again, blessed the last verse said joyful, blessed is he who keeps the law, who walks according to God's design. Here's the same verse again in the old school, King James, all right? Where there is no vision, the people perish, die. King James was a little more extreme, all right? But without the vision of God, you, you have no, no sense of really living in your life. But he that keepeth, <laughs> keepeth the law, happy is he. So I want you to see this contrast because you are built to have a vision for your life. You're built to have direction, purpose, significance, meaning that your life would head in a direction on purpose. But many of us wandering, drifting, lost in this life, maybe making up our best version of it, are finding ourselves in places of unfulfillment, lacking joy, lacking happiness, lacking this, this sense of like really impact, significance. My life matters. And I think, like I said earlier, God puts that longing inside you. That ache is there for a reason because you are made for eternity. You're made for so much more than this life here on this planet. And because of that, we look to the creator and the sustainer of not only this life, but all of eternity. God himself, the one who has designed us, built us, put these longings inside of us. And we, we humble ourselves before him today and we go, okay, God, well, what is that divine vision? What is that prophetic revelation that you have for my life? What is it that you want me to live for and according to and go after with all my heart, all my soul, all this, this time, this energy, these finances that you've given us, God? What do you want this life to be about? Jesus becomes the picture for us. Anytime that you're, you're here at Real Life, uh, you're gonna get this, that I'm gonna talk about God's leadership in our lives and then I'm always gonna look at Jesus because 
Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's what Colossians 1 says. If you ever want to know what God thinks, look at Jesus. How God interacts with people here on earth, look at Jesus. Jesus is walking among us as one of us. It's such a powerful picture. I, I love this. Like God sends his son into the world to not to condemn the world, but to save the world, to die in our place, to take our sin on himself. But he's also here as this living picture of what God wants our lives to look like. He becomes a model. The Bible says he is this author and perfecter of this faith that we have been entrusted to, that we have been called into this life that we want to live. Jesus is our model. And so Luke chapter five, where your finger is there in your Bible, you see the invitation of Jesus to his disciples to come get a vision. Come get a direction for your life. And I love this story in Luke 5 because it's so, to me, it's just powerful. He's, he's teaching on the shore of Galilee, on, on the lake there. And Jesus is teaching to a big crowd of people and the people are crowding around him. And so he, he begins to kind of back up towards the edge of the lake and soon he's out of room. And so he looks and there's a couple of boats there. Uh, Peter and Andrew's boat is there and James and John's boat is there. And so he gets into Simon Peter's boat and he pushes back from the shore a little bit so he can continue to teach the people, the crowds. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God and God's leadership in their life. And so as he wraps up his teaching, he turns to Simon and he says, hey, Simon, let's let out into the deep water and, and, and let's go fishing. Simon, Andrew, James, John, they're all fishermen. Simon says to Jesus, you know, Lord, uh, Master, um, we've been fishing all night. I love the contrast here because there's like the way things kind of go, the ordinary, normal life. They're fishermen. They fish at night. They fish in the shallows. And Jesus is like, hey, it's middle of the day. Let's head out to the deep water where there are no fish, right? And let's let down your nets. They're like, finish cleaning their nets. I don't know how long and how laborious this, this chore is of cleaning their nets from a long night's work. Double the, the fact that they didn't catch anything. So they're emotionally just kind of like done, right? This whole idea of fishing, they're probably ready to sell their boats at this point anyways, right? Like we're done with this thing. And Jesus is like, I got a good idea. Let's go out into the deep water. And Peter Simon is like, Lord, I don't, we've been fishing all night. It's been horrible, but since you say it, we'll do it. I think this is kind of how it always starts in all of our hearts. It's like, well, you're God and I'm not. And so I'm going to kind of believe you and trust you, but, but it's really hard to really trust you in this moment. They let down the nets into the water and there's this miraculous catch. I mean, it's overflowing catch where their, their nets begin to break and Simon and Andrew actually call over their partners, uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they, they, they bring their boat over and they begin to fill both of these boats to a place where the boats are actually sinking because of the miraculous size of this catch. And in this moment, it's like Simon comes to his senses. It's like this awareness like finally hits him of like, oh, like my little life and my plans and my dreams and my agenda and everything that I could kind of figure out for this life pales in comparison to the God of the universe and the vision and the power and the capacity that he has for this life. He falls on his knees before Jesus and he says, Lord, I am unworthy. Get, a, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I, I, can't even, I can't even be in your presence because you you're God of the universe. And how is it that you're standing in my boat right now? 
And I love this interaction, this moment, because there's this this simple awareness of like, he is God, he is in charge, he is the one that has so much in mind and in store for each of our lives. And Peter was almost like competing with Jesus in his heart to go let down some stupid nets into the water. And Jesus just brings this awareness to his heart. Like, Peter, Simon, I got something in mind for your life, a vision, fulfillment, joy, satisfaction. Jesus doesn't even have to say a word, but because Simon is face to face with the creator of the universe, he's suddenly aware of his frailties, of how small his vision is, how inadequate his abilities are, and he just falls on his face. Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, Simon, I'm gonna teach you how to fish for men. It's gonna be awesome. I got a whole new adventure for your life something you never would have signed up for, but I've got something amazing in store for you. So they pulled their boats up, left their nets. They're probably glad to leave their nets after all of this and and just follow Jesus. Matthew 4.19 encaptures this this invitation from, from Jesus himself. He says to his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I've got a plan. I've got a vision for your life. And I want you to be a part of something supernatural, so much bigger than you could ever dream up for yourself. But you, you got to make a decision. You got to come follow me. You going your way with your vision and your direction and your leadership for your life is not going to get you to the life that I've created you for. So you have to make a decision. Follow me. The good news is if you follow me, I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you into somebody and something that you're not right now. Grayson was quoting Acts 4 earlier, and I love the description of all the disciples of Jesus, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. They looked at these men, and they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men who had spent time with Jesus. And I think that that inspires me to go, well, God, if you can take an unschooled, ordinary, middle-class nobody like me and do something supernatural with this life, God, then, then God, I'm in. She's like, come follow me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna make you into something you're not right now if you would come get on mission with me. He said, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. This is why Jesus came to earth is to seek and save those who are lost, to, to help everyone know the love and the grace of God. If you would stop trying to live your own mission and get on mission with, with me, Jesus is inviting them into, then, then you're gonna experience the life that I have for you. This is the the wrestling match inside of every single one of our souls is we still want life our way, our agenda, our timing, our priorities, our vision. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm not gonna force any of you into it. Every time Jesus led, he led with an invitation. He never led with manipulation, an arm wrestling match. He's not gonna put you in a headlock and make you follow him. Some of us, we kind of need that, don't we, right? Like we need somebody to punch us in the nose a little bit and, and, and kind of get our eyes watered for us to just pay attention. And what I love about Jesus, he's never forcing his hand. He's just showing up miraculously in Peter's life. This miraculous catch, this amazing amount of fish. And, and Peter's just so humbled in that moment that he's like, all right, my way is not the way. Jesus, your way is so much greater than my way. This invitation is for his disciples. This invitation is for every single one of us. Not only did he invite them, but he also gave them a bunch of clarity. Look over in your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Flip over a couple of pages to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to everybody that was with him, if anyone's going to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
I want you to hear this phrase. If anybody's going to be a part of my kingdom, if anybody's going to get on board with my vision, my mission, your purpose, the purpose that I have for your life, then, then you got to do a couple of things. You got to recognize that you're going to have to deny yourself, deny your self-led life, deny your selfish desires, deny the way you think things need to go and the, the purpose that you think you need to have for your life. It is going to take an intentional work daily to take up your cross. The cross is an implement of crucifixion. There is a soul inside you that is separated from God by our sinful desires. This sinful nature doesn't just evaporate. It has to be subdued. It has to be crucified, Jesus is saying. It has to be nailed to that cross daily because that sinful nature inside of us is wanting to control us. It's wanting to control the vision, the direction, the purpose of these lives, and it's wanting to serve self. So Jesus is like, hey, if you're going to come after me, it's awesome, but buckle up because it is a life of denying self and, and crucifying that flesh inside of you. And he clarifies it this way. He says, whoever would save his life, that means you're living for yourself to, to, to live the life that you want to live. If you're going to live with that vision, you're actually going to lose your life. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So counterintuitive, isn't it? But if you would actually give up your life for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom, you're actually going to experience the life that you've been longing to have, the fulfillment, the joy. Remember, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Another translation says forfeits his soul. He says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, my leadership in their life, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. If you're not willing to surrender to me, submit to me, follow me, go my way. At the end of all things, at the judgment moment, when you're standing before God himself, Jesus is like, I'm not gonna, I'm, if you're gonna deny me now, I'm gonna deny you in that moment. And so for us just to be aware and go, wow, God's clarifying what this looks like. I, I can live for my vision and hold on to my life or I could give it all up and, and, and trust that the vision that God has for my life is so much more fulfilling, so much more satisfying, so much more miraculous. That's the thing I think we long for. Is I, I don't know about you, but I, I long to be a part of something greater than myself, something significant, something that is life-changing and eternity-shaping, not something that I can just kind of dream up in my own effort and ability. Am I, am I going to give my all to whatever I do? Absolutely. But God, what I'm giving my life to, God, I want it to matter. I want it to count. And I think you have that same longing inside of you. Jesus clarifies this invitation. And then he finishes his ministry with them with a simple call, a mandate, a commission. He says in Matthew 28, this is what I want you to do. Everything you've experienced from me, all authority in heaven and earth, it's been given to me. And now with, under that authority and with that understanding, I want you to go. As you go is the translation. As you go to work, as you go to, to parent, as you go to marriage, as you go to life, as you go to school, as you go throughout this life, I want you to make disciples of all nations. The entire world, wherever you go, that's where you go with this vision beating inside your heart. I want you to baptize them and I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And when I hear that commission from God himself to his disciples, I don't know about you, but I, I start to just get 
like this fire inside me that goes, all right, God, I want to live a life that's impactful and significant. I want to live as a part of something greater than myself. And I think that that longing is what drives this conversation today is that every one of us would have that vision of God for our lives. Not be satisfied with making up our little vision like Peter was in that boat, but that we would recognize that the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things is standing in our presence today like he was standing in that boat that day. And he is here with his arms open wide, his hands stretched out to every single one of us saying, will you come? I'm not going to force you, but will you come? Will you be with me? Will you allow me to change you and show you the kind of man, the kind of woman that I want you to be, the kind of life that I want you to have? Would you allow me to lead you into the way of everlasting, into the fulfillment and satisfaction and joy that you long for? Would you allow me to show you what this life really could be? I think that that invitation is there for every single one of us to recognize. As as a church, we've tried to articulate it this way. This is why we exist, is to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. Don't let that just be like an organizational slogan, like this is us just trying to kind of clarify this entire thing that we're talking about today to go, oh, Jesus wants us to make disciples of the entire world, every nation, everybody, to, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey every, like, good, that's our heart, that's our passion, that's who I am becoming. And I think it's tempting to stay at a distance from these kind of conversations and just kind of chalk it up to, maybe that's, a, maybe that's what real life thinks or believes or whatever. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is this, is, this is Jesus inviting you personally to have a vision for your life have clarity, direction, significance, impact, daily steps, daily divine guidance and leadership. Not wondering, does my life really matter or not? But to be confident day in and day out that God is leading your life to the most fulfilling, satisfying, impactful life that you could ever have. How do we live this way? How do we grab a hold of this vision One is this, you got to receive this vision from God. You have to make a choice. Like I said earlier, Jesus is the one that is inviting you. You got to make a decision whether or not your heart is going to receive this vision. It is not our job to make up our best version of a vision for our lives. It is our job to come on board with God's vision, see where he's already at working and jump in as a part of it. This is a vision that is not new. This is one that got started thousands of years ago in the heart of God. When he saw us fall, when he saw us rebel from his leadership, that began this plan. He began to to draw us back to himself, right relationship with him. He began to woo us back. He eventually brings his son, Jesus, to earth, who's making these declarations and bringing about the fulfillment of God's plan that everybody who had put their faith in Jesus Christ could now experience the life that God has invited us into. But you've got to make a decision in your heart to no longer go your own way. God, it is your vision for this life that I am going to live according to. See, this is, this is where, for me, it just becomes a deep-seated conviction that I need. A conviction guides me in the midst of the turmoil or the whirlwind that we call real life, that we call every single day. Getting the kids out to school, getting 
back from home from work, getting the lawn mowed because you missed the lawn mowing day this weekend, right? Like those simple little things, like there has to be something inside of us that anchors our souls in the midst of all of that clutter and craziness. It's called normal life. It's real life. But this conviction begins to grow and builds a passion inside of us to go, okay, God, what does it look like today? As I pick up this phone call at work, what does this look like for me to live according to this vision right now? As I head off to school, as, I, as I'm with my friends, as we're inviting people over to our house, like what does this look like right now, God, for this vision to be inside of my heart, guiding my life? The way I've always attributed this vision to is a burden, a, a constant conviction to come back to the things that are most essential in my life, people. It's always been about Jesus and people. And this vision is anchored in that heart and that passion that God is like, hey, I want you to experience life. That life is only found in relationship with Jesus. And I want you to be a part of my mission to see everyone who has lost experience life in Jesus Christ. It's always been about Jesus and people. Not only receive this vision from God, but you gotta begin to align with this vision from God. Align is that second word that's so important. Alignment is, is meaning like put things that are out of order into order. Things that are out of alignment, put them into alignment. Things that are, are maybe it's your time, it's your energy, it's your finances, it's your uh, attitude, it's your motive. Like you still go to work, but you go to work not just to make money and, and retire soon. You go to work because there's people there that need to know the love and the grace of Jesus. Like I know you gotta go to school, right? But you're not just there just to kind of get good grades and hopefully get a good career one day. You actually care about the friends that you go to school with and you wanna see them experience the life of God. Begin to align everything in your life with this vision from God. Alignment is, is really an interesting thing. It's, it's really buy-in, it's like, how committed am I? Buy-in always starts with kind of a casual commitment that looks like, hey, I'm gonna buy in as long as I can benefit from this vision. If it's gonna make my life better, I'm in, Richie. Let's go. Blessed, right? Right? That's, that's what Proverbs said, right? I'm blessed as he. And a, a lot of us, this is where we start, right? Is buy into the, to the degree that it blesses our life, takes care of difficult things. Grace is talking about tithing. Like, well, if it makes my finances better, I'm gonna tithe. And I think that this is the beginning of buy-in. But then you get, begin to experience the, the, the blessing of it and God is going, hey, I want you to actually be a part of seeing other people's lives impacted through this life. Now you begin to contribute at a level that's kind of comfortable for you, right? Like it doesn't require too much of you, but you start to like, maybe you show up and serve and, you, and maybe you, you give a little bit more. Maybe you're, you're, you're leading in a small group setting or whatever, but you're contributing as long as it doesn't really interrupt your main priorities that you've already established for your life. But then, then there's this other level of buy-in where it gets to a place where you say, you know what? This is the vision that God has called me to and I'm gonna give my life for this. The word that captures this for me is sacrifice. Sacrifice is not the same across the board. Every one of us makes the sacrifices that God asks us to make. But here's the thing that I love about Jesus' church is Jesus' church is unified around this idea of sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed himself on our behalf for us to recognize the vision that God has called us to and calling ourselves to a place of sacrifice brings unity to Jesus' church. Just receiving doesn't bring unity. 
just contributing at a comfortable level doesn't bring unity. But when everybody in the room starts to sacrifice, again, sacrifices are all different. It's you and God, what he's telling you to sacrifice. It's time, it's energy, it's whatever it is. But, but, but man, when you and I all come around this desire to see the kingdom of God advance through our lives, this vision is going to be one that I sacrifice for. Man, something powerful happens. That's when Jesus' church starts to really see a city changed. We're not just fighting for our own agendas over here and kind of sprinkling a little Jesus on top, but that we are, we are wholeheartedly sacrificing whatever God would ask us to sacrifice to see this vision become a reality in our lives. And that is a place that becomes powerful. Go back to the beginning of this conversation. I think that's what we long for, is to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that's life-changing and eternity-shaping. It's not just like our best efforts and like, oh, look at us, we, we made a bunch of money or look at us, we achieved a lot of awards. Like we actually wanna be a part of something that changes eternity for people's souls. That's the ache inside of us. God put it there. You're made with eternity inside you. That's why this life is always so unsatisfying. It's because it's not eternity. We are made for so much more than this. And that's the invitation from God himself is to come be a part of something supernatural and eternal and life-changing, eternity-shaping. Don't sell out to a world that will never satisfy you, is never designed to satisfy you. That's why you feel out of place. Scripture calls us strangers, aliens, foreigners. This world is not our own. That's the ache inside of us is for a, for a greater kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this eternal kingdom. Man, to be a part of that in a sacrificial way is a way, way amazing thing that I want all of us to, to recognize, be a part of. So the invitation is from Jesus. Let's reach the world together. Let's do it one person at a time, one friend, coworker, family member at a time. It's not necessarily this big giant thing that we gotta do. We gotta get about life with intentionality, focus, and purpose in our lives. This is where I get most convicted in this conversation is because it feels like it's a light switch inside my heart. For some moments it's on and I'm like focused on the kingdom, the people in front of me. And then I just find myself like literally like a breath later with the, the switch turned off, consumed by my own desires. I'm hungry, I'm tired, right? I just, I wanna do my thing. And I think that this is why we need each other. This is why we need to be in moments like this. This is why Sunday happens every week. This is why connect groups are so essential is that we're around people that are inspiring us, keeping us focused on this vision from God. This is why we, we work so passionately around here to help as many people experience life the way Jesus intended us to experience. So you gotta step ahead of you today. The invitation is there for every single one of us. I wanna challenge you to take the next step that God's got ahead of you. It's unique for you. For some of you, you have never known that Jesus loves you and died for you and carries the weight of your sin and shame for you. That if you would put your faith in him, you no longer would have to live in fear of eternity and fear of God, but you can now become a friend of God. You could live free from sin and your sin nature and you actually become the man or woman that God made you to be. This is 
a recognition of my sinfulness, like Peter in that boat, just getting on your knees before Jesus in a place of humility saying, God, I, I, I am so, such a sinner, so unworthy. I love Jesus in that moment. He just, just loves Peter. He's not condemning you today, shaming you today. He's saying, I love you. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. It's always marked by baptism. People in this spot always are saying yes to Jesus and getting baptized in water. That's why we got the tank full and shirts and shorts and towels, everything you need to take that step even today. We would love to help you take that step today. Others of you, you've been disconnected. You don't have friends around you that are inspiring you to the vision of God. Your friends inspire you to the things of the world. And you need people, the right people in your life. Maybe that's your step. Others of you, sacrifice has not been anything about your life. You've just lived for self. And God is calling you to a place of sacrifice. Whatever that step is today, I want to call you to take it. That, can, that black and white card there on your seat, I want you to look at that. There's steps on there. There's prayer on the back that you can put down. We'd love to help you take whatever that step is today. Why don't you just for a moment take that card, just close your eyes. Maybe you're writing on that card. You're praying right now in your heart. Maybe you're on your face before Jesus as he's standing in your boat today saying, I'm, I'm so unworthy, I'm a sinner. today, would you just stand your feet with me? I'd love to pray with you, real life. Just keep your heart just in that soft, repentant place today. Lord, we look to you now. You are our salvation. You are our hope. You are the author of this life. You are the one that holds the vision to this life in your hands, God. We hear your invitation today to come follow you. And Jesus' hearts just say yes today. Yes to your leadership. Yes, that you are God and we are not. That you're in control and we are not. And that your plans are so much better than our plans, God. Your way is so much greater than our way, God. We just surrender, Jesus. We surrender to your leadership, your authority. You, God. You are God. Those that are disconnected and discouraged today, God, I pray that you give them courage to connect, to get into to groups and to places, God, of friendships and relationship around here, God, where they can begin to be encouraged and inspired, God, to grow, to become who you've called them to be and the vision that you've called us to, God. Those, God, that need to sacrifice, Lord. You're calling them to it, Jesus, and they could feel it and they sense it in their soul today. God, I pray that you give them the courage to respond. Just thank you, Jesus, for today kingdom is coming. It's here right now, God. We choose to be a part of your miraculous work, God. We love you with all our hearts, Jesus. In your name, amen.